They put the world in a state of chaos, economy crashing and massive layoffs. Black against white or it's left versus right. Divide and conquer and control is the payoff. Screaming from the rooftops, beat down better. Turn us on each other now, no lives matter. If we do what the news wants, blood gon' splatter. Turn us on each other till no lives matter. Yeah, so uh, I thought we'd start it off with a little bit of hypocrisy today because that's a lot of what we're getting. A lot of hypo hypocrites, a lot of hypocrisy. And I apologize if I sound like Shelly a bit. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually feeling the braces now. So um, it's it's crazy. They all have that message. I'm seeing all over Cleveland a new message coming out, which is change is for the better trust us like oh, wait a minute what that's all over buses billboards that change is good trust us like if they repeat it and repeat it and repeat it they think that we're going to take it don't they remember that we were founded as a nation because we revolted against one government one regime and yesterday I showed a documentary for movie night that obviously is going to upset a lot of Catholics, but you know, you know, facts are facts. And I've said this before. That's the only reason I don't agree with Catholicism is because of the Pope. No man can ever claim that they are God. No man can ever claim that they can forgive sins and no way, you know, is weaponizing any religion a good thing, you know? And that's exactly why they created the papacy, uh, to control um, ideologies. And that's key and important. Um, now, the reason I say this is because we're seeing a bigger push. I mean, yesterday, nobody watched the Oscars, right? And they were all virtue signaling. And the more you ask questions, you know, to these people, the more they can't answer. We have an audit going on and they're talking about how this audit is undermining results. I'm sorry, it's an audit. And if the results are valid, it's not undermining anything. So it doesn't even make sense. Uh, whatsoever, like why they're saying it. It was the saddest thing ever that I had seen. Uh, I'm also seeing a really big uptake in a lot of shilling, right? So it means that something is completely off balance. Uh, a lot of saltiness, a lot of, you know, lies like drone attacks in the United States. How BS was that? Um, it was just the most preposterous thing I had. <laughs> I have seen this weekend. Um, I just, I just couldn't believe it. Now, um, Rand Paul made some really interesting um, comments, and I wanted to share those with you uh, in regards of shifting blame. Now, for some reason, we have been told that there are only two parties, and you must agree with one or the other. And unfortunately, this has been well ingrained within our nation. It's very difficult to take yourself out of that, considering that it's well ingrained within our culture, that there's always two sides, and they're always fighting. 
Uh, that has to come slowly with change. Uh, we saw that President Trump was the first one that that knocked that out of the park, where he transformed the Republican Party to the People's Party, attracting people from all sides of um, you know the nation. So it's it's pretty fascinating how that shift happened with one person in four years. It was quite exciting to watch. Now, one thing I can say is, is that back in the 90s, right, and I shared this meme, uh, it was evident that we were heading for a civil war, right? And then 2001 happened, right? And so that was all forgotten. Because in the 90s, it was all about rebellion, all about, I'm not doing this whole, you told me so, I must do this, I must go through here. It was all about, I, you know, I'm not doing what you tell me, and I'm more, you know, in tune with myself. The drug era of the 80s had gone away, and it was more about loving each other, and there wasn't much, many issues in regards to racism either in the 90s, none whatsoever. I mean, I was a, I was a kid during the 90s, Right. I don't remember any of that, but there was a lot of anger coming from the people. And um, that is something that they knew because the civil war was supposed to have happened already, but it didn't. Now we're getting this, this very civilized civil war that could turn really, really ugly. Um, I don't know what's going on with the audit. It was paused. Then there's Chinese walls that have to be adhered to, recusals. It just sounds really dubious as to why, um, you know, they don't uh, want this to go through. And it could all just be for show, too. But it seems super dubious uh, that they want to avoid the impeachment. I mean, um, it's quite fascinating. It's also quite fascinating how, you know, on, on Saturday, I pretty much did nothing. It's usually the day that I take off, right? But I was perusing through like YouTube videos from other content creators and the amount of disinformation is so off. And then when they run out of disinformation, they get into like these fruity areas, right? Where you're just like, what? So um, I'm seeing a climate that's a little bit bizarre. Um, in regards to how responses are being handled and how, you know, people are going into that crazy zone real quick uh, when they run out of stuff to say, because it's like nobody has news. And, you know, I've been I've been meaning to put out this really two damning articles. But the, the thing is, I have a headache. I just feel really physically exhausted lately, like I can't do anything. I'm really hoping to snap out of it at some point. Um, I don't know if it's because my head hurts because of the braces or I just, I just don't feel physically well. I feel just super tired. Um, and the thing is, I'm not the only one that has this shit. So why isn't anybody reporting it is the other question, right? So um, our climate right now in regards to news is a lot of garbage. We're getting a lot of garbage. Some good... Um, commentary, but a heck of a lot of garbage. I mean, I, I had watched someone who had some really good commentary about a year ago and now they're like whispering something. I don't even, I don't get it anymore. It seems so bizarre. 
you know, and, and most of them, you know, do this because it's a business, right? For them, it's a business. It's I'm making content. So, um, you can, you know, complain about stuff and that's the way it is. And that's so wrong. It is so, so wrong. Uh, you know, just to, to even, you're, if you're reporting, it's because you seek the truth. You know, it, it, I had never heard something so, it's just so wrong. And then the content from many of these content creators has just gone so wacky, which by the way, there will be some of these, um, we will have conversation tonight with Gavin in regards to uh, motors, specifically what UFO motors are. So we're going to go into the physics of that. We're going to have a stereo tonight, so we're going to talk about that. But um, speaking of, you know, using science rather than I, um, I speak to these, I channel this, I, I, it's just like, wait, what? Can we just focus? So, um, <laughs> let's just focus. So let's focus. Let's start with Rand Paul. Let's start with him. He made a very good and compelling speech on defending Georgia voting law and blaming the Democrat Party for Jim Crow, which is true. Take a listen to this. Who talk all the time about either whether we should spread democracy around the world or whether how great a democracy we are. We're not a democracy. We're a republic. And when the, you know, the kids ask me a question, when I go to schools, that's one of the main questions I ask them, are we a democracy or a republic? Why? Because the main difference is, is that those of us who believe in a constitutional republic believe that our rights come from God. We believe that these rights precede government, that they're inherently ours, and that a majority can't take them from us. So when the founders of our country wrote into the documents and wrote into the Bill of Rights and they said, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion. They weren't talking about a freedom of religion. They were talking about the. It was something they knew that existed, that free people had a right to pray, that free people had a, a right to choose their, their church, that the government wasn't going to be in charge of the church. These were things that they didn't think a majority could take. So in a democracy, the majority can decide things. And people say, and I think they use these words flippantly, they need to understand that some of the worst things that happen in our country we're done by 51% of the people. Uh, people are all the time now saying this law in Georgia is Jim Crow. It's not. But Jim Crow was a terrible period in our history. It was a period in our history sort of 1870s through maybe even as late as 1950s, but particularly the early part of last century, they passed all these laws saying blacks couldn't live with whites, blacks couldn't sell homes to whites. It happened in Kentucky. There's a famous case in Kentucky where Louisville did this. But who were the people doing this at the time? The Democrat Party. Kentucky was entirely the Democrat Party, and Jim Crow is a function of the Democrat Party. It's the history of the Democrat Party. No Republicans supported it. So it's insulting to me when people say, oh, the Georgia law, which I support because Kentucky had a similar law, is somehow Jim Crow. No, it's not. Jim Crow is an anathema. Jim Crow is something we all hate. We were, we were the people who wanted more people to vote. We were the people that, that allowed African-Americans to get the right to vote. It was the Republican Party and changed. But we need to keep those things in perspective. When we talk about access to schools, it's wonderful that your kids have this access. 
we'd like even more kids to have access. Bill mentioned the, um, the school act. This is an idea that there are government funds out there already and they follow poor kids to poor districts. I'd like them to follow the student where the student wants to go. So if you have a poor child in your community or in Northern Kentucky and they want to come here and they can't afford it, that tax dollar is already following them to a public school. I'd let them follow them to a private school. And people say, oh, that would hurt the public school. No, it would help the public school because competition, you already are helping the public schools. But by having a good school here, public school has to try harder to keep their kids in the school. And one of the things that's made it harder is they won't teach them in person. And there's been all this virtual learning, which works if you have really, really committed parents, but probably doesn't work very well for a lot of, a lot of families and a lot of busy families. And even some people with both parents went to college just may not be good at teaching or may not have the patience to teach their kids. And sometimes, I don't know what it is, sometimes your kids don't listen to you. Yeah, you may have that problem. <laughs> they listen to other people. I don't know why they would never listen to us. But uh, yeah, so we didn't teach ours at home. We, we, our kids were both in public and in private school. But I do commend you for what, what you're doing. I commend the school. And I commend all of you who believe that our, our rights are God-given and that we should not lay down our rights and let people trample over them. This is an important as we push back. And during a pandemic, it doesn't mean that the governor, the governor has unlimited rights. We still have our constitutional rights. The Constitution still exists. The Supreme Court has said as much that the Constitution still exists and that your rights, the Bill of Rights, still exist despite a pandemic. No one would have ever imagined that we were going to allow a governor to dictate every aspect of our life. And there's going to be a case coming up for the Supreme Court. It's probably the most important case maybe in my lifetime in Kentucky. The state legislature has emergency powers they gave to the governor in the 1990s. Just recently, they passed restrictions on that. They narrowed how much power the governor has. They took back power. The governor's now saying and arguing in court that his powers are inherent. He says somehow God anointed him and he has all of these powers and the state legislature cannot check and balance those powers or limit his powers. Did you guys hear that? That God anointed him? No, you stole the election. You stole the election. You lost and you stole the election. No one anointed you with anything. Did you hear those words though? Did you see the invocation of God? I, we should be paying attention to what... These criminals that commit crimes against humanity are saying, good job, Dr. Paul. He's arguing that his powers are inherent. Sounds like sort of the divine right of kings. And I thought we'd kind of gotten beyond that. But it's going to go before the Supreme Court. We already had a judge in Kentucky who said uh, that maybe he's right and placed an injunction on the state legislature. The idea that the state legislature could be prevented from actually passing a law that changes a previous law that gave power to the governor and that they could somehow say the state state legislature can't do that is something that I think goes against every principle of the separation of powers that we've had. So as you see, the Kentucky Supreme Court is corrupt. They agreed. Yes, Governor Bashir, maybe God did give it to you. So let's just put a, an injunction on that. What? I'm sorry. The state legislature controls the power that a governor has. Did the Supreme Court just say they can't? Did they just flip ah, those commonwealths? And so this is something to watch closely. Supreme Court, you have a Supreme Court justice here. We need to watch how they vote on this because this is a, this is a real reason to become involved with who is on our Kentucky Supreme Court.
thank you all for uh, having me and i wish calvary yes, christian it best is. of luck yes it is kind of like ohio has a dewine on the supreme court you see this scotus gate doesn't have to focus just on the crimes that federal scotus has all of the states i mean look at what they said to me <laughs> They said I had to give notice in a compulsory counterclaim. What? So were you going to give me time to send that? That's so ridiculous. This is how they pass it. But this is the reason why they want a civil war. They want a civil war. Now, you know, in the in, at the beginning, I played a clip where all these people are parroting the same thing. And it has to do with this new order. And I've told you that it's headquartered now out of Africa, South Africa, to be specific. Uh, I've said this many, many times. I want you guys to listen to this snippet. The Biden administration is focused like a laser on convincing Americans that their country is systemically racist. A new world order is taking shape. Our enemies, and yes, folks, we do have them, contrary to what some Democrats would like you to believe, they're counting on us not having the guts to push back. Joe Biden and most of official Washington, Republicans and Democrats alike, are proving them correct right now. Beijing is developing its own digital currency to compete with the dollar. China has committed $400 billion in oil purchases and other economic assistance to Iran. Russia's military and espionage operations are increasing. China and Russia recently signed a new military cooperative masquerading as a joint space program. A formal collective defense agreement between these countries could not be far behind. These ties that bind these dictatorships are growing, folks, as Joe Biden's weakness advances their shared global narrative of a United States in decline. These new Axis powers are far better positioned to advance their goals of global dominance than their failed 20th century forebears. You know, during the first Cold War, the combined economic power of the Soviet bloc nations was easily dwarfed by that of a surging U.S. economy and that of our allies, harnessing the creative freedom and the innovation and the free markets of the post-war era. For three decades, though, we've desperately clung to this foolish belief that with the first Cold War won, China, Russia, and others would cast aside their tyrannical governments and imperial designs. Americans need to accept the reality that decades of appeasement and facilitation have made this block of nations powerful and made them inseparable. It's the type of cooperation the Soviets never had. Moscow had to cobble together a block of nations, none of which had independent economic or military prowess, and they were plagued by mismanagement, by poverty, and stretched resources. We have a compounded problem now that requires both a domestic and a foreign policy response, neither of which we are presently executing. It is a dangerous paralysis that has set in over time. Biden's Russia sanctions in the face of the solar winds attack are a joke, along with his climate-obsessed foreign policy that surely will be ignored by the new Axis powers. The U.S. must lead in weakening these enemies using every tool at our disposal. It means taking concrete steps to finally stop Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline and replace it with U.S. energy supplies and renewable technologies. U.S. states should ban communist Chinese-linked companies from purchasing agricultural and energy lands. They're buying up farms. They're buying up cattle ranches. They're putting up windmills. It's got to stop. 
The U.S. should ban the use of Chinese materials and technology from critical infrastructure projects. 80% of, of our active pharmaceutical ingredients are manufactured in foreign countries. No Axis-aligned or authoritarian nation should be among them. The Trump administration's sanctions against Huawei worked in straining the, country, the company's core business, but more Chinese technology and telecom companies should be added to our blacklists. Rapidly finalizing our trade deals with the United Kingdom, EU, and other free nations to dissuade them from embracing more communist Chinese companies, investments, and products must become an urgent priority. We need to quickly wean ourselves off of Chinese rare earths, lithium, and other raw materials, and finally have an Africa strategy to counter China's Belt and Road Initiative, which Ooh. is basically just buying up the entire continent. These measures are a start to countering the new Axis powers. Every president's quest to look like Roosevelt or Reagan in recent years has resulted in decades of nonsense photo ops and half measures. Those need to give way to a bold, holistic strategy appropriate to the scale of this threat. And it needs to start happening now. Call your congressmen and call your state legislators too. Tell them, get with the program. We need an Africa strategy. strategy. Did, you, did you guys hear that? You heard that, right? That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so the Africa strategy is like, we already lost that. That train has gone and left because it was purposely done. So, you know, you're going to see, oh God, I'm really, really trying, but I physically am exhausted. Like right now, I'm physically exhausted at the moment. I, I parked at a, um, there was like an accident this morning and I actually park like you know stop behind the accent i actually fell asleep i woke myself up snoring sitting in the seat i don't even i just was like let me close my eyes that's how tired i am and i don't know why i've slept so um so in that article that i have it actually demonstrates how this chinese stuff didn't just happen in 2014 it was something ongoing. It was extremely ongoing. And there were a lot of players involved. So China infiltrating the United States happened a really, really long time ago. We're talking 2010, right? With really big leaders. Some of them have penetrated the areas of Canada. I mean, I'm going to demonstrate to you how the Chinese actually paid for the CIA directorship. I kid you not. So, you know, this isn't something that you can fix. The only way you can fix it is by saying, walls up, we're done, you're out. You know, down to the janitor. Because this, so many people are implicated, it's ridiculous. It is really, really bad. And so entering Africa now, where, uh, let's stop right there, let's be honest, we've been there for like forever and a day, okay? We're just not as aggressive or visible as we see um, China and the EU, okay? Because when the UN decided that they're moving their headquarters and Interpol moving their headquarters to South Africa, nobody batted an eyelash. Like, Why are you going to South Africa? And then once they get there, we have all these race wars, right? Submitting them in all these race wars. And they've piloted these vaccine passports, which are nothing but DNA passports. This is you being marked P. 
period. Period. So um, it's quite fascinating to see him say that we need to go with the program and get with Africa. That train has come and gone super quick. Uh, that's not going to help anyone right now. Right now, the only thing we have to do is mind our own business because we are still in power. But you know where you can see how all of it is happening? By the climate change stuff. So that's the new thing. And so again, I ask of you to think, how would they terrify you with climate change? How is it that you will be so scared that you will just be like, shit, take my money. I'm going to be recycling everything. I'm going to have a compost in my bedroom. Uh, I'm going to stop eating beef because apparently that helps. It's so bizarre. Take a listen to the big virtue signal. Turn to its role as world leader in virtue signaling. The Biden Virtual World Climate Summit wrapped up today. But before we dive into the policy, we want to point out something kind of funny that we saw. Here's a snapshot of the virtual summit with dozens of heads of state from all around the world. Everyone on their laptop like a bunch of teens in a bachelor chat room. This picture was taken when Vladimir Putin was speaking, obviously. What do you notice over there to the right? President Biden, the only person with a mask on. Here's a closer look. The president was vaccinated months ago, but evidently Fauci recommends you still mask up for those Zoom calls even after you're vaccinated. We can't be sure that COVID doesn't spread through the internet, I suppose. I guess there's somewhat of a chance. He's also the only world leader without a flag in his background, a flag for his country, the new fashionable left, I suppose, hating America, so chic these days. And today Biden promised tons of jobs created and paid for with your money in his new green economy. It's about the opportunity that addressing climate change provides. It's an opportunity to create millions of good paying jobs around the world and innovate and innovative sectors. Opportunity to weaken the private sector and make the government a whole lot bigger. That is how Democrats quote, create jobs. They steal your money and give it to somebody else to do a job they just invented. Biden says he's not going to leave people behind as he tries to essentially destroy the fossil fuel industry. We must ensure that workers who have thrived in yesterday's and today's industries have as bright a tomorrow in the new industries. Another politician lie. Biden, of course, is a pro at that. He's been there long enough. Within his first few weeks in office, the White House canceled the Keystone Pipeline, which has resulted in thousands of jobs lost. The impact still being felt across the country. Listen to what a gym owner in Phillips, South Dakota, said just a few weeks ago after she had just invested her own money into expanding her gym called Ignite with the hopes of getting more business from pipeline workers. The executive order started coming in and um, when he signed the bill to pull the permit, it was a tough, tough moment here at Ignite. Can only imagine. But don't worry, green jobs are coming, you know, in like two or five years, maybe, but they're coming. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken earlier this week admitted that people are going to be out of work because of this climate plan. We will be mindful that for all the opportunities offered by the unavoidable shift to clean energy, not every American worker will win out in the near term. Some livelihoods and communities that relied on old industries will be hit hard. 
we won't leave those Americans behind. And all of this so India and China can continue to destroy the planet by their standards. And Hold on. Let me just get to something about this jobs thing for a second. So I look at a lot of stuff. So on Saturday when I do nothing, that's all I do is peruse things and just, you know, what is this? Well, I noticed something. In Ohio, I was, I, I'm part of a foodie group, right? Because I like, I like food. <laughs> And so at this foodie group, there were owners of small businesses, restaurants that were complaining that they can't find people to work. Apparently, some guy was advertising $17 an hour for a dishwasher, but no one will go take the job. So these restaurants have to close down because they don't have staff. And the reason they don't have staff is because people are making $489 a week sitting at home right? $489 a week sitting at home. So they don't need a job because the government's just giving them whatever they want. And so these, these, these restaurants, these small businesses are all shutting down. There was another owner who says, I've posted this line cook job. I'm paying good money. It's $15 an hour. Nobody wants to come, right? Nobody wants to come and work. They apply, but they don't show up and they just apply to get their unemployment. And that's what's happening. They are, are making people comfortable with living off the government. So that way, when this comes, which is going to be very soon, according to what they want, which is what we're avoiding now, no one is going to want to work. I mean, small businesses are going out of business, not because they were only shut down for this control of virus, but that they can't find people to work. Like, I feel bad. This guy has had this restaurant for 20 years and he has no staff. No one's coming. Dishwasher position, $17 an hour, and he can't get someone to take the job. So there's tons of job. Nobody wants to take it, right? Nobody wants to take it. So why would they leave their home, spend eight hours somewhere and work when they could sit at home and make the same money per week. You know, if you do the math of $15 an hour for a week, right? A five day work week, you know, 40 hours. And then you take tax, you know, you're getting $489 from the government straight over. Like, why would you leave your house to, to, to work when you can make the same money and stay at home and chill? So that's the problem that we have. We're making society feel like that's what you know, they can do. It's not just laziness. It's, it's common sense. Like I would do the same thing. Like, why would I go get a job as a dishwasher if I could stay at home, not spend money for gas, not have to leave my house, not have to do anything and get unemployment and qualify for Medicaid. So I don't need to get healthcare and qualify for like additional help from the government. Right. I mean, it would make sense. Like, why would you, right? Why would you? Uh, so this is how they're operating. And now with this, these green jobs, they're going to annihilate a majority of it. So the first wave of small businesses got smashed. Now comes the next. Anyway, by the way. But for climate czar John Kerry, the little people don't really matter. We always replace it with a different kind of or some you know, new opportunity. And um, I don't think it's going to mean that much dislocation, frankly. Yeah. I mean, you could see <laughs> he didn't care. What does he care? He's flying private. He's living off the wife's ketchup money. 
John Kerry is so important. Far too important to care about burning private jet fuel, by the way. Oh, that's way beneath him. Of course, the Biden team doesn't care about jobs lost, obviously. This is about pandering to the left wing. The hilarious part is watching it fail so miserably these last couple of days. Biden's plan is to cut U.S. emissions of greenhouse gases in half by 2030. That's nine years. It's actually insane. It's very aggressive. It would cost trillions of dollars. It would destroy his approval with moderates. And yet, hilariously, it's not nearly enough to appease the radical environmentalists. We showed you this yesterday. Climate activists dissatisfied with the plan. It's not far enough. They hate it so much, they dumped cow manure in front of the White House. <laughs> you got to love it. AOC saying nothing short of her new version of the Green New Deal is acceptable. Yes, AOC's policies or bust. The question is, do we intend on um, on sending a message to the Biden administration that we need to go bigger and bolder? And the, and the answer is absolutely yes. She's an expert, as we all know. We must listen to AOC. Yes, let's get rid of the energy industry as we know it. Let's get rid of all the gas-driven cars, by the way. You know what? It'll be like just like last April in this country. Nobody doing anything. No economy. Nobody working. Nobody commuting anywhere. We're all just sitting in the box. A liberal utopia. And here is Swedish teenager Greta Thunberg calling for the end of the fossil fuel industry. If we are to live up to our promises and commitments in the Paris Agreement, we have to end fossil fuel subsidies, stop new exploration and extraction, completely divest from fossil fuels, and keep the carbon in the ground. Between her and AOC, I think we got a winning deal here. The sad thing is what this is all doing to our kids like Greta Thunberg, who are so impressionable at that young age. They have adults filling their heads with climate psychosis to the point where they're about to have a mental breakdown. Even young adults are having anxiety over this. Watch this. Georgia, you discussed climate anxiety in the podcast and heard Juliana mention her feeling her chest tighten uh, when, she, mm -hmm. when she talks about this. What do you mean exactly climate anxiety? Uh, uh, I am one of many, many, many young people uh, who all experience climate anxiety, um, which is the feeling of uncertainty over a livable future. So we're inventing problems now. This is where we're at. They're anxious about their future. Why don't they, you know, educate themselves or learn a skill so they can contribute to their future? right? What do you mean you're not sure of your future? You're not sure you can breathe? Well, you're sure that the sun rises. You're not sure you can fish? No, you don't want to do that. You just got a mani-pedi, right? Or you, you don't want to hunt either. You want to eat plant-based things that use a lot of processing. Maybe cricket meal, right? We can use crickets as flour now. Uh, is this where we're going? Climate anxiety, making up anxiety disorders. Oh, jeez. This is, this is the pure clown world we're in. From his private jet, burning 500 gallons of jet fuel every hour, John Kerry said this. But even if we get to net zero, we still have to get carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So this is a bigger challenge than a lot of people have, have, have sort of really grabbed onto yet. But I'm going to keep flying around in my wife's private jet. Well, we don't even have that much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Like, this is pure insanity. It is complete and utter pure insanity. It makes absolutely no sense. No 
sense. I do not see how this makes any sense to anyone that's a scientist. Like, where, where are all the scientists? Seriously. Where are they? Dead because I'm John Kerry and I'm so important. What is he, Heinz? Heinz ketchup? The wife's got the Heinz money. He married into the money. He ain't important. So now net zero emissions are not enough, not to spoil the ending, but it'll never be enough. Not until you're eating broccoli for dinner seven nights a week at home with no heat or air conditioning. Maybe then they'll stop whining about this, but I doubt it. Democrats say it's about science. It's not. The climate crisis is about control. They want to control your transportation. They want to control your food. They want to control how much energy you use. And they want a massive government, most importantly. And you better let them have it. And you better hurry because... The king, John Kerry, from the private jet, says we only have 10 years left. These next 10 years are the critical years. The scientists have told us unequivocally that we have about 10 years now to make the critical decisions and implement them that will avoid the worst consequences of the climate crisis. He flies in a jet that burns 500 gallons of jet fuel an hour. Need we say anything more? We could just end the show right there. Slam dunk. For Democrats, climate change gives them control of every issue. You're going to love this next soundbite. Listen to the amazing stretch here by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Climate crisis is a crisis born of injustice, and it is a crisis born of the pursuit of profit at any and all human and ecological cost, which means that we must recognize in legislation that the trampling of indigenous rights is a cause of climate change. The, the trampling of racial justice is a cause of climate change. What? What? Talking about how bad greed is. This is the congresswoman that wants to pay congressional members more. She got in and immediately wanted to raise her own salary. Now lives in a fancy luxury building in Washington, D.C. But she hates money. Okay. Why isn't she at the border? Hey, Rob Finnerty. Why isn't she at the border crying right now? With all that racism and all the children there. Why isn't she at the border crying? I mean, she was at the border before. Why isn't she at the border now? I'm a little bit confused as to why she's not at the border, you know, crying about all these children being rape beaten and in atrocious conditions because the border supposedly open. So what's weird is that... Um, now that the Siobhan trial is over, right, we saw a lot of virtue signaling at the Oscars for those that watched the clips. So insane. They hailed the Black Panthers. They said that, you know, if it had gone another way, they would have interfered, right, and gone in. It's the most insane thing ever. Now I want to shift gears a little bit to this Ebola conversation um, first, uh, because this is quite fascinating. Here's a sound clip from the Epoch Times reporting. It is quite interesting how um, uh, this is going. Seriously interesting. <laughs> India's virus cases hit a record peak for a fifth day on Monday. The U.S., Britain, Germany, and other countries are pledging to send urgent medical aid to help tackle the crisis. The international community is stepping in to help India as it battles a devastating second wave of COVID-19. 
The US, Britain, France and Germany have all announced they will be sending medical supplies to the country. As cases surge, breaking new records on Monday, hospitals across India are running out of medical oxygen and beds. Patients are dying for want of treatment while they queue outside hospitals waiting to be seen. The US is sending raw materials to help India manufacture the Covishield vaccine, along with medical equipment and protective gear to help India respond to what has been billed a COVID tsunami. There have also been calls for the US to send its AstraZeneca vaccines that have not been approved for use domestically. President Joe Biden said on Twitter, quote, we are determined to help India in its time of need. Germany and France have also pledged to send oxygen and medical supplies. And the European Commission said it would respond to an appeal from Delhi for help. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi said on Sunday a, quote, storm of infections had shaken his country. The capital Delhi extended its lockdown on Monday to try to arrest the surge. There are concerns that new variants of the virus emerging in India could undermine progress made elsewhere in fighting the pandemic. A defense witness who testified at Derek Chauvin's... Okay, so now let's go to another uh, clip in regards to this control of virus. I want you guys to see this interview of Dr. Fauci. Ah, but before we do that, I wanted to give you guys a bit of a a song to listen to to, to try to find it. Um, here we go. Wait. Um... <laughs> Promise not to be upset with me because you must listen to this song. And those of you that are watching it on, um, that are going to watch it visually, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to show you guys part of this interview before I'll, I'll play that song afterwards. Okay. So I found this, um, feed on Twitter, a Mexican comedian actually questioned Fauci. This is what happens when it's not a set interview. Um, is quite fascinating. There's four parts. Um, the full interview is here, but you know, this one has commentary. So take a listen. So, um, come on, open up. There we go. Ahí está. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Fauci. So, um, first question. Which of the COVID-19 vaccines have been officially approved by the FDA? Three of them. One from Moderna, which is the mRNA vaccine. One from Pfizer, which is another mRNA vaccine. And the other one is from J&J, &J, Johnson & Johnson, which is a little bit different. It gives the same kind of response, but it's a little bit different. So there are three vaccines that have gotten emergency use authorization from the FDA so far. There are a couple of others that are still being tested to determine if they're safe and effective, but the three that I just mentioned have been shown in very large clinical trials involving anywhere from 30,000 to 44,000 people per trial were shown to be not only very efficacious, but quite safe. Okay, so I asked if it was approved by the FDA uh, but I, I think that it's a different thing that to the, an emergency use authorization than a, an approval. So what is the difference between an emergency use authorization yeah. and an official uh -oh, approval? Now answer. Yes, that, that's a very good question. So an emergency use authorization is based on the criteria if the benefit clearly outweighs the risk and that you get a good degree of efficacy and safety. The, the full licensure 
is when you follow it for a longer period of time and you get more information and data. I have no doubt, given how very, very efficacious all three of these are, that they will ultimately get the full authorization in the sense of what's called a biological license approval. But an emergency use authorization is really a, quite of an important step in the direction of getting it the official approval. So let me give you an example of how much confidence I have in the emergency use authorization. I myself got vaccinated with one of those three vaccines. So that was part one. You guys ready for part two? So <laughs> this was, this is what happens when you have an interview with someone and vaccines are they safe catch you. and effective. Why hasn't the FDA given any of them the full official approval and license? It, you know, actually, you know, that, that is a very good question. There isn't like they have any problem with it. It just takes logistically a long time to get the approval. So when this is such a good product that you want to get it to people as quickly as possible because it's life-saving, you give it what's called an emergency use authorization. Not that there's anything less effective in it, you just takes a long time to get the full approval and rather than deprive people of getting a life-saving vaccine before all of the I's get dotted and the T's get crossed, they give it an emergency use authorization based on a lot of solid data that it works. What, what is the medical and legal responsibility of the companies that are making the vaccines? What happens if secondary effects are seen, let's say in, in five or 10 years? Can I sue the manufacturer yeah. of the product if it hurts me or if there's long-term effects years down the road? You know, there is a fund that allows the uh, compensation for injury. But I have to tell you, Eugenio, that it's very, very, very unlikely that you're going to have an effect five or 10 years down the pike. The reason we say that is that we have decades of experience in the field of vaccinology and virtually all of the effects if they even occur, and they're very rare, occur within 15 to 45 days following the dose. Each of the companies had to wait 60 days before they were able to release it to be given to the people because the most of the bad effects, if they do occur, and I say it's extremely rare, they almost all occur between 15 and 45 days. Now, let's have this Fauci song intermission for a second before we get to the other parts of this interview. Dr. Fauci, give us vaccines. Help all the people who have been quarantined. We'll wear our masks and we'll have to stay distant. We'll wash our hands and we'll be more resistant. Fauci, yes, promise us please. We'll have a cure that can fight off this disease. Restrictions will lift with some ease. Dr. Fauci, don't forget me. 
you very much. Oh my gosh. Wait, there's more. See, for some reason, everyone's really using this whole uh, Sandman um, music background. So bizarre. And you guys know who the Sandman is, right? The Sandman is this mythical creature that sprinkles dust in everybody's face and puts them all to sleep. So it's quite fitting, right, that they call it, uh, they use the Mr. Sandman song. Here's another one. <clears throat> Could you maybe at some point just like curse or say something completely Looney Tunes or offensive? The other guy used to do that and it just made this whole thing a little funnier. I'm just trying to work with you here. We're live in three, two. Welcome back. I'm joined now by a man some people believe is the president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden. Robinette? Yes. Oh. Don't even have to write a joke about that. Um, Joe, can I call you Joe? No. Girl, we have a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. As the coronavirus continues to wreak havoc, Americans are getting restless and frustrated, if you know what I mean. One of the disappointments when we came into office is the circumstance relating to how the administration was handling COVID was even more dire than we thought. We thought they indicated there was a lot more vaccine available. And it didn't turn out to be the case. Because we're doing so much testing. Huh? Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think I must have fallen up. You don't ask Biden tough questions. Ha! Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I'm still having flashbacks. So we're pushing as hard as we can to get more vaccine manufactured. You now say we'll have enough supply for every adult to be vaccinated by May. Does this mean I can go to Cancun for spring break with Ted Cruz and the gals? Well, I didn't say that. Mr. Biden, bring my vaccine. Keep me protected from COVID-19. Tell me the trick to how I'm a Moderna. Fix up that magic Pfizer or Moderna. Biden, give me a poke. They call you sleepy, but you're pretty woke. I'm so tired of quarantine. Mr. Biden, bring my vaccine. Please bring me change. Hey Joe Biden, where's my vaccine? I need a rollout that's good for a queen. Grab your syringe, but make sure you clean it. And stick it in me like you really mean it. Biden, hey Mr. Biden, I'm not afraid. Yeah, I'm really not afraid. Inoculate me so I can get laid. Give it to me now. I don't mean to sound a troll. I'm crazy, but I want my freaking Vaccine. Ladies and gentlemen, the Robinettes. Oh, won't you stay? I'm on my hat. I see. Please, Mr. Biden. Yes. Bring my vaccine. I want to trick or treat when we hit Halloween. Give me that double dose and make me go out cheap so I can plan a kiss on Dr. Fauci. Mr. Biden, baby, kick up a notch Cause I've run out of that 
Netflix movies to watch. Girl, I'm so tired of quarantine. Mr. Biden, bring us. Please, 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 Mr. Biden, bring my bags. Robinette. Yes. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that song, but it's really, really bizarre that they're all using the Sandman song. Um, so that's quite fascinating because I guess they are talking to people who are sleepwalking through life. So it would totally make sense that they're using that song, but it's really, really creepy. Well, this interview in the other two parts gets even more um, hot under the collar for Fauci. Uh, he starts to get quite uncomfortable. Listen, and for those of you watching, watch him sweat. Let's see. Come on, play. Are you serious? They didn't, like, get rid of it, did they? No, there it is. Okay. Here it goes. But I'm right. talking about the manufacturer. If there's a problem, can I sue the people that made the vaccine, not the government, the, the people that made the vaccine, because... I've heard they are protected from liability. You know, they are very sensitive about hurting people, but you can sue anybody you want to sue. There's no guarantee because it will be in a court that would decide whether or not you get compensation. But we but, have not had we have not had any issues with that in any of the other vaccines. But if I sue the the manufacturer who pays for that like for that yeah, for that is the government not the company is right 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 okay okay got it got it so I, wait 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 did you get it did you get it very low risk of he said that you can't sue the company you have to sue the government dying from COVID, they should still get the vaccine so they don't spread the virus to people who might be too old or too sick to get the vaccine is that true that's absolutely true so an example if you're a young healthy person so you have a personal responsibility and a societal responsibility to protect yourself from getting infected. The, the vaccine lowers my symptoms, but it may not prevent me from being infected with SARS-CoV-2, which means right. there's the you, possibility that I can still spread the virus even after I receive right. the vaccine. Correct? That's the reason why, we, right. That's the reason why we ask you to wear a mask after you've been vaccinated, but you still can get infected and you can still spread it. So right. I thought herd immunity works because by being vaccinated, I blocked the virus from spreading to other people. But right. this vaccine, this vaccine may not do that. So how does herd immunity work if I can still spread the virus even after getting the vaccine? Yeah. But the fact is the vaccine protects many, 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 many people from getting infected. So that was kind of a bizarre statement for him to make. So you can sue the government. Now, I want to take you back in time to the Obama years when during Barack Hussein Obama, they signed legislation saying and uh, that you cannot sue for vaccine injuries because they had planned this deception, right? Because this is a great deception. They've deceived you on everything. Even people in elected office don't know what's right, what's wrong, what's true, or what's false. I mean, they're not all experts. They're not doctors. They don't know 
could all these governments be just eliminating their poor people? Could all these, you know, nations be lying to everyone? The concise answer is, would you put it past them? So here's the, the final part of the interview. Correct. Um, has this kind of MRNA? Moderna and Pfizer are both mRNA vaccines. Correct. Um, has this kind of mRNA vaccine technology ever been injected into humans before? Well, this is the first time, and the good news is that the results are really, really good. Okay, but in essence, this is an experimental technology. Well, it's a new technology, and it is proven in a very large group of clinical trials to be safe and highly effective. Are you completely positive that this new technology is safe? I mean, how, how, Every, can, how can we be sure there won't be long-term effects when these vaccines were seemingly developed so quickly and yeah, have only well, been tested for months and not years? The speed with which it's been done is a reflection of the extraordinary advances in science. And there was no compromise of safety. But as I said before, in the history of vaccinology, you don't see effects that occur years later. Almost all of the bad effects, as rare as they are, and they are very rare, occur between 15 and 45 days from the time you get vaccinated. Last week, Catholic bishops warned the Catholic community that they should not use the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Can you explain why? Well, the, some, of the, some, not all, because there are Catholic bishops who are saying the opposite of that. And the reason is in the preparation of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, they used a cell line that was taken from fetal tissue from years and years ago to be able to produce the vaccine. Sorry, is that true that there, there is a residual DNA from an aborted baby in the Johnson & Johnson No, there, there's no residual DNA that gets injected into you at all. It's there in the preparation of the vaccine. There is no residual human fetal. But as you can see, the insert says each dose may also contain residual amounts of the host cell proteins and or host cell DNA. Just DNA lied. at all. So he lied. And he only talked about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine when we know that this is in the Moderna, right? And the Pfizer vaccine too. So that's super bizarre, isn't it? Very bizarre. Now we're gonna shift a few gears and um, we're going for a quick intermission to fill up those coffee cups and uh, we'll be right back. I'll see you guys in three minutes. That's how long this song for today is. Well, you almost had me fooled Told me that I was nothing without you Oh, and after everything you've done I can thank you for how strong I have become Cause you brought the flames and you put me through hell I had to learn how to fight for myself 
And we both know all the truth I could tell I'll just say this is I wish you farewell I hope you're somewhere praying Yeah, we all need to pray because this is out of control. It feels like the celebrities, for some reason, have the impression that they tell us how to feel, how to respond, and how to act. The media has taken the level of, I'm going to tell you what's right, and you must obey. If not, you will be canceled. Well, this goes for both sides of the fence. They don't like to see people that can't be canceled. You need to have, somebody's got to have leverage on you, or there's a problem. <laughs> That's a problem. Media and these stars have lost their leverage. Like, nobody cares anymore. Really, nobody does. And obviously, Mark Dice strikes again with his awesome commentary on the Oscars. That's all I had to watch. Didn't have to watch the Oscars. Let me share that with you. Get your barf bag ready because the Oscars were on Sunday. And if you watched them, I'm ashamed of you. That's my job. Like the garbage man, I do the dirty work so that you don't have to. And within the first 20 seconds, they virtue signaled about whatever his name was and Derek Chauvin, the poor police officer who got blamed for his OD. It has been quite a year. and We are still smack dab in the middle of it. We are mourning the loss of so many. And I have to be honest, if things had gone differently this past week in Minneapolis, I might have traded in my heels for marching boots. Stop. Stop. Can somebody tell her to shut up? Please. Tell her to stop. Stop. Right. Now. And that set the tone for the evening. And the Oscars were so black this year, I thought I was watching the BET Awards. I can picture black trans women standing up here and Asian sisters and not Latina sisters and indigenous women. Yay, I can't wait. Let the diversity never end. I'm getting so old that I remember when movie awards were about movies. And now it's just endless nonsense like this. Uh, today, the police will kill three people. And tomorrow, the police will kill three people. And, and 7,000 people a day in America die. Just pointing that out. Day after that, the police will kill three people because... On average, the police in America every day kill three people. And those people happen to disproportionately black people. Wow, three people a day, huh? In a country of 330 million. And let me add that 99.9% .9 of those are fully justified. Since he apparently likes statistics, let's talk about some, shall we? Do you know how many people die every year in America from car accidents? It's about 38,000. That's 100 people a day. So you are 33 times more likely to die in a car accident on your way to work than you are to get killed by a police officer. And for those of us who work for a living instead of collecting welfare or a UBI or whatever they're calling it, there are 5,000 people a year who die on the job from accidents at construction sites, equipment failures, accidents in warehouses, machine shops, etc. That's about 13 people a day. So once you're at work, you still are four times more likely to die on the job than you are to get shot by a police officer after committing a crime. There's plenty more to come in this video, so stay tuned. But if this is your first time watching me, subscribe to my channel because obviously 
few have the balls to dare utter these truths aloud, and I will as long as I am able. So subscribe to my channel for new and check back here on a regular basis. And find me on Rumble if they ban me from YouTube. Of course, it wouldn't be the Oscars without a man in a dress, and I don't know who this person is. I don't care. If you know who they are, don't bother telling me. The haircut, though. Stop. What is up with those bull bangs? Stop. The haircut, though. Stop. Me. And I was only half joking when I said that I thought I tuned into BET because even the commercials were woke. Build something black. Let it drip with glory. Build it in love like our ancestor story. Bring out the beauty of what's sacred and kind. Bear your black brilliance as you prosper and climb. Brilliance, huh? No comment. Build something black. Let us rise up together. All that we build is black beyond measure. Join the journey at Target.com. I can't explain how pathetic it was. It wasn't even fun to hate watch or to watch to make fun of. It was simply nauseating. I am so happy that I now have the honor to present the award for Best Supporting Actor. Each of these five artists contributed to the larger cultural conversation through their storytelling this year, presenting us with themes of equity and social justice in their own unique and extraordinary ways. And what a surprise that award went to some actor for playing a member of the Black Panthers in a film called Judas and the Black Messiah. The award for best animated feature went to Soul, which is about, can you guess what kind of family? <laughs> of course you can. The award for best director went to some Chinese woman and her film Nomad also won for best feature film. So of course that's being hailed as a first for Asian people. And also what was a first for Asian people is in 2020, the China box office of films actually brought in more money than the box offices in the United States. 2020 also marked another milestone for the commies because it was the first year that a Chinese film, not Nomad, uh, that's not considered to be technically a Chinese film, even though a Chinese woman made the film, but another film, a Nomad hardly made any money at all, by the way, but a Chinese film that none of us had ever heard of actually brought in the most revenue of all films. So it makes sense that they would give a bunch of Oscars to this Chinese director because, well, China's the biggest market now for Hollywood movies. And because China's poised to overtake the United States fairly soon and become the world's premier superpower because of our decline by design for the New World Order, that's why the establishment is starting to morph and include Asian Lives Matter in with the rhetoric and really just ignoring the vast majority of the instances when black people are the perpetrators committing hate crimes against Asians and then highlighting the rare instances when the perpetrator is white, because that way it provides a barrier against people criticizing communist China, because if you criticize that, now you are perpetuating the hatred against Asian Americans. The least they could have done to liven things up is given an award for best comedic performance to this cop. Dispatch, I've arrived at that disturbance. We have LeBron call my cell phone right away, please. Thank you. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. No, can you put the knife down, please, sir? No, 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 sir. Don't stab it. No, no, stop stabbing. Stop. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's LeBron. LeBron. Hey, yeah, it's me again. Listen, I'm out here at this disturbance call, and there's a guy trying to stab another guy with a knife. What do you think I should do? I did have a nice chuckle at the very end, however, because the entire show was building up to what 
everybody thought was going to be the climactic finale when Chad Boswick or Bozeman or whatever his name is, the guy who played the Black Panther, was supposed to win the award for best actor. But it went to Anthony Hopkins, who didn't even show up to accept it. CNN complained, Chadwick Boseman, oh, that's his name. Chadwick Boseman didn't win the best actor Oscar. Twitter users stupefied after Chadwick Boseman loses posthumous Oscar. Oscar viewers floored after Anthony Hopkins takes best actor over shoo-in Chadwick Boseman. Boseman was robbed. Maybe he just sucked. I saw Black Panther, and I'm not joking. Arnold Schwarzenegger has a better acting range than him. Get to the chopper! Other than the Borat sequel, which I watched for free on Amazon Prime, I haven't seen any of the films that were nominated, let alone any of the ones that won any awards. I don't know who any of these actors and actresses are who were nominated. I'm not wasting any brain cells remembering their names, and I'm certainly not going to waste any of my time watching their movies, and neither should you. You should read my books, however, because they're 10 times more hardcore than my videos. So get them in paperback on Amazon.com by clicking the link in the description below or download the ebooks on your tablet or your e-reading device. Or head on over to my online store, MarkDice.com, and get yourself a Celebrities Know What's Best shirt. Available in a t-shirt, long sleeve, and a hoodie, and a whole bunch of different colors as well. So head on over to MarkDice.com or click the link in the description below. Right. So his commentary is spot on, Okay. I don't even know half of these actors. Like, I don't understand. I really don't understand how this is making any sense. How they're pushing this rhetoric, which is actually racist. You know, uh, the whole Asian Lives Matter, you know, because of that soy boy shooting up the hookers and the pimp, but then they made it racial was insane like really insane, but they're really pushing for a civil war and they're begging us to spark it. Take a listen to this. Um, oops, gosh, darn it. Pushed the wrong button. Didn't I? There we go. Take a listen to this clip. It's pretty, pretty fascinating. Is on fire. And if we keep waging a war over who started the blaze, instead of working to extinguish the flames, the republic we love will end up burnt beyond recognition. And a week that should have served as a testament to our system of laws and provided a meaningful demonstration of our ability to hold those we entrust to enforce the law accountable under the law, we instead watched our great society demonstrate our complete and utter inability to get out of our own way. Now, we watched as voices on the left who said a failure to convict Derek Chauvin would cement our criminal justice system as morally bankrupt greet the conviction of this former officer, not with relief, or even a sense of atonement, but by tripling down on vitriol and division, by seizing on regression at a moment of meaningful progress. And we watched too many people who rightfully recognized that 99% of police officers serve with honor and dignity, greet the conviction of Derek Chauvin by exploring every nook and illogical cranny possible to excuse the inexcusable actions of a man that represents, in my opinion, the worst 
of the 1%, the rare rotten apple that betrays the trust and honor of the 99% of honorable law enforcement everywhere. Yes, this week, we were forced to confront the uncomfortable reality of our present, that we are not just a nation at war with ourselves. We are increasingly a nation intent on finding reasons to demonize our neighbors and minimize the concerns of anyone we perceive as different from ourselves. Now, while the nation waited with bated breath for the Chauvin verdict to be released in Minnesota, over in Ohio, we watched a 16-year-old girl shot dead by an officer after she lunged at another young girl with a knife. It was a split-second decision in which this sworn officer of the law was forced to make a horrifying choice. It was a nightmare scenario for that officer. It is a nightmare for the families who were impacted. One child is dead. Many more children at that horrific scene are traumatized. And yet, of course, right on cue, America retreated to our designated partisan positions in this cold civil war that seemingly will never end. The left reflexively declared the officer to be a monster. Evidently to them, the black life in the path of the blade is of zero consequence. Apparently, the only lives that matter are the ones that advance the narrative they are desperately trying to sell. And on the right, true to form, too many people reflexively declared this dead 16-year-old girl a demon. You see, as it turns out, for some of our brothers and sisters on the right, grace and redemption for children is also only granted if the child in question fits the proper narrative as well. Ironically, one of the most prominent Black Americans alive today was a 14-year-old knife-wielding juvenile guilty of an attempted stabbing himself. Dr. Ben Carson is a world-renowned neurosurgeon, the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Donald J. Trump, and a former candidate for president of these United States. In his best-selling memoir, Gifted Hands, Dr. Carson recounts how the same hands that would separate conjoined twins once picked up a knife and tried to stab a fellow young person in a fit of rage. In fact, according to Dr. Carson, save the divine intervention of the belt buckle that stopped his blade, he would have been the monster many have proclaimed this dead teenage girl in Ohio to be. And yet, if you ask most people, they view the life of Dr. Ben Carson as a testament to perseverance. And they recognize that we are better off because he had the opportunity to become the best version of himself. Now, Makia Bryant will never have the chance at redemption afforded to Dr. Carson. Her life is now trapped in a 22-second time capsule chronicling her death in the commission of an act she will never be able to take back. And the tragic nature of that haunting reality is something we should all be able to come out of our partisan corners on and agree. And yet the resentment appears to run too deep for us to begin to plan to heal, much less pursue the healing we desperately need. Because when a nation has committed to the incivility of a civil war, 
There is no common ground to be had, only complete capitulation or total annihilation. Senator Tim Scott is the junior senator for the state of South Carolina. He's the only black Republican in the United States Senate. In fact, he is the only black Republican U.S. senator elected by a southern state since the year 1881. His political ascendance is a testament to what he himself calls the evolution of the southern heart here in America. And yet a simple statement that he supported the verdict against Derek Chauvin caused bipartisan outrage. Irrational voices on the right flooded his Twitter feed and Facebook page with assertions that he had betrayed conservatism or somehow was never a real Republican. As if he suddenly stopped believing in school choice and tax cuts for the middle class, as if he was not a staunch ally for President Trump's America first agenda. And on the left, well, forget about it. They greeted his statement with disgusting racial tropes and mocking offers to send him a pen to sign on to the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act as a sponsor. As if Senator Scott didn't help push a bill of his own called the Justice Act less than a month after the death of George Floyd that included many of the legal reforms the left claims they want to see enacted right now. Now, of course, Democrats refused to support that bill, but it appears the activists filling up Senator Scott's social media timeline, they're not actually bothered by the inaction on the issues because this isn't about civil discourse for change. This is about the civil cold war predicated on perpetuating our intractable division. The famed philosopher and economist Adam Smith once wrote, mercy to the guilty is cruelty to the innocent. But in our quest to affirm the innocent, in our responsibility to provide justice for those who have been wronged, we must commit to ensuring that an earnest desire for atonement does not mutate into an unquenchable thirst for blind retribution. This nation that we love is designed to get better. America is designed to get better. Our commitment to the pursuit of a more perfect union is as ingrained in the DNA of this nation as much as a desire to maintain the status quo is built into the recalcitrant spirit of humanity. But if the melting pot that has personified America's growth becomes the flashpoint that blinds us to our full potential, then we haven't just burned the American dream. We have failed the shared ambitions of the entire free world. You just watched Newsmax. Yes and no. I agree with him on many points and many statements he made. I thought it was important that we just listen to it uninterrupted. But we've said this before. We, you know, when the death of that kid happened, I said, you know, think about it. She was dealt really bad hand. She was in foster care. Her aunt was commenting. And then you think, well, why isn't she with you? Why is she in foster care? You know, these are all things that um, make zero sense. But the questions that lie now at the Chauvin case are quite astounding. They're coming up because there's some weird things happening. 
Maryland is to probe the Chauvin, the Chauvin defense witness. What does that mean? Take a listen to this. Hold on. A defense witness who testified at Derek Chauvin's trial could be in hot water. He said he would have considered George Floyd's death inconclusive due to various factors. Now, Maryland is investigating the work he did when he was the state's chief medical examiner. Maryland is investigating reports of deaths in police custody under a former chief medical examiner after he testified that former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin did not kill George Floyd. Chauvin's lawyer tapped Dr. David Fowler to give his expert opinion. Fowler testified that George Floyd could have died due to various factors, including heart disease and drugs. Because of this, Fowler said he would have ruled Floyd's death as undetermined instead of homicide. On Friday, Maryland's attorney general and governor said they'll investigate Fowler's work from 2002 to 2019. Dr. Fowler stands by his work. He told the Baltimore Sun he's committed to transparency and will cooperate fully with an inquiry. The investigation could spark accusations it's politically motivated. Conservatives have argued that Chauvin's guilty verdicts were partially due to political pressure. One of Fowler's office's best-known rulings followed the death of Freddie Gray. It said Gray died from injuries suffered in a police van, and that officers' failure to take care of him medically made his death a homicide. The chief medical examiner for Wisconsin's largest county is defending Fowler. He told the Washington Post, Fowler is an excellent, experienced forensic pathologist, and that the investigation is unnecessary. We reached out to Maryland's governor for comment, but we haven't heard back yet. Weekend protests broke out at the southern border. A large group of migrants there. So before we get into that, what did we get here? So some people say that the officer was guilty. Other people say he wasn't. His knee was on the shoulder, not on the neck from the other perspective. Uh, he had just swallowed a bunch of drugs. So a, you know, expert witness comes out and says, nope, it would be inconclusive because, you know, he did swallow all those drugs and he had a heart condition. So... Uh, you can't say that it was what the police officers did. So now they're investigating all his work, almost 20 years worth of autopsies and reports. They're probing him and taking away his right to practice because he came out with the truth, right? He came out with the truth and they're scolding him for that. They're punishing him for that, right? They're punishing him for that. That's a big deal. Now, Migrants are protesting at our border. Take a listen. ...are demanding they be allowed to cross and claim asylum in the United States. They marched from Tijuana and Mexico to the San Ysidro point of entry. On Saturday, they chanted and held up homemade signs reading, We want answers, we want asylum. U.S. authorities closed the border in response. Hundreds of migrants have been living at a makeshift campsite just south of the border since mid-February. They're waiting to enter the U.S. as the Biden administration works to process asylum seekers. Biden's policies have already led more migrants to make the dangerous trek to the U.S.-Mexico border. A former advisor to Trump is helping lead a new Texas lawsuit against President Biden. The state is suing on grounds that Biden's immigration-related executive orders are endangering Texans by releasing illegal immigrants into the country without testing them for the virus first. NTD's Melina Wisecup has more on that. 
A new nonprofit group is guiding Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton in his lawsuit against President Biden's immigration reform. It's called America First Legal and is headed by former Trump advisor Stephen Miller. On Fox's Handy Show, Miller accused the Biden administration of setting what he called an illegal policy, mass releasing illegal immigrants infected with the virus during a pandemic. Soon after Biden took office, he signed an executive order to stop expelling illegal immigrant children who crossed the border without an adult. But it seems to contradict a Title 42 emergency order from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Title 42 requires all illegal immigrants crossing over from Mexico to be sent back to their home countries, with limited exceptions. Now, Texas plaintiffs are asking a judge to make Biden enforce Title 42. They want the judge to declare Biden's immigration orders illegal, since the pandemic is still ongoing. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the administration is continuing to enforce parts of the Trump era title 42 saying biden is keeping the american people safe and ensuring that they are taking responsible steps as it relates to the pandemic in this latest lawsuit against biden the texas attorney general says biden's actions are unlawful and endanger the public health of texas and the united states and that the lack of virus restrictions at the border will slow the economic recovery for the state and the nation melina weiskopf ndd news so it is illegal it is completely illegal. We talked about this when they started with the whole border thing in January, that the problems that we're seeing is that, okay, well, we're supposedly in a pandemic. You're causing harm to the citizens right there. You're letting people just flood in, which is a big problem. You're bringing in. So, uh, you know, how are you keeping people safe? You're not testing them. They're coming from all around the world, from the Horn of Africa, West Africa. They're not all Mexican. They're not. They're totally not. They're coming from everywhere. They're coming from prisons where they've been released from. They've actually opened doors of prisons, right, in Guatemala and sent them on their way. This is how they come. And this is why, you know, this is a massive issue for all of us, for every single American. This is a massive issue. We have migrants coming in that we do not know what their intentions are, who they are, what they are, where they're going, and why they're here. It takes one person to strap themselves with explosives and cause damage. One person. And it's usually a person nobody has eyes on because they're off the radar. That is our problem. That is the main issue here. That we cannot find these people that are penetrating our nation. They don't come in and sign on to Facebook and Twitter or get a bank account. They work with cash, right? They don't have a footprint. And someone that doesn't have a footprint is someone that you can't follow. Therefore, they can cause the most damage. And we don't know who's coming in. This is dangerous. It is very dangerous. Now, in um, in closing, I wanted to talk about censorship. James O'Keefe was on Maria Bartiromo uh, this Sunday, and I want you guys to listen to this interview he gave. It's pretty stellar. Um, he did a great job, and I applaud him and everyone at Project Veritas for what they're doing. Take a listen. 
our fundamental liberties. Last week, Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe became the latest victim of cancel culture when Twitter permanently suspended his account after he exposed hypocrisy and fraud at CNN. Social media giants have been helping to drive the Biden radical agenda by canceling anyone who does not agree with it. Joining me right now is the man himself, the founder of Project Veritas is here, James O'Keefe. James, thanks very much for joining us. We appreciate your time this morning. Tell us what happened last week and what you're intending to do tomorrow. Well, Maria, we, we were banned from Twitter. I was banned from Twitter. Twitter said, I quote, operated fake accounts. I've never operated a fake account in my life. So I sued Twitter for defamation in New York. Uh, this comes off the heels of our win in New York State, the Supreme Court of New York State for defamation. We got past motion to dismiss a landmark win in that libel lawsuit uh, from Project Veritas versus the New York Times. More on that in a minute. But we, uh, we released these series of videos on CNN showing the CNN director calling the network propaganda, saying they're trying to help paint Biden in a certain way to hurt Trump and get Trump out of office, help Black Lives Matter. So those CNN videos were trending number two globally on Twitter. And then in the third videotape released, they yanked my Twitter account down and said that I was, quote, operating fake accounts. They also banned Project Gratas a month earlier uh, talking about Project Veritas was violating people's privacy rights for interviewing them in the street while people who do impersonate me still remain on Twitter. So we're suing Twitter for defamation, uh, Maria, and it's time to go on offense. It's time to use libel lawsuits to hold them accountable. Well, you know, it's interesting because you have on tape Twitter saying that they wanted to get involved and affect an election. You also have that from Google, right? Do you actually have people at, at Google telling you on camera, we allowed Trump to win in 2016, we won't allow it again. Yeah, that was an individual, Jen Janai, from 2019 we recorded, an executive high up in Google, uh, uh, talking, about the, talking about Trump, getting Trump out of office, making those statements. We use hidden cameras, we go undercover to expose these things. Also, talking about algorithmic unfairness, which sounds like an Orwellian term. And this CNN director was, was saying things that does not, do not surprise you. But those videos were, were doing the thing that Twitter was designed to do, which is you know, empower citizen journalists. I was quoting CNN director Charlie, Charlie Chester, and I was relaying to people what he told me. So the right of me to, to relay what I heard and accurately quote him, and they banned me for doing so. And they manufactured this reason, I quote, operated fake accounts. All this is in a lawsuit that we have filed in New York State. And again, for those of you who think I'm bluffing or these lawsuits don't matter, Project Veritas has never lost a lawsuit in our corporate history because we don't settle. We fight all the way to a jury verdict and we have never lost. And we've gotten past this motion to dismiss, which is a terrible burden to, to meet in a defamation lawsuit against the New York Times. We're one of only a few plaintiffs in modern history to have accomplished that. And we wanna know what's, we wanna depose Jack Dorsey under oath we want to put these people through depositions and understand exactly what was going through their mind when they maliciously lied about me saying I operate fake accounts. Well, we know that right before the election, they banned the New York Post from reporting on the Hunter Biden story, which we all knew uh, to be true. And we uh, watched them ban the New York Post and, and the reporter on it. Look, we have a statement from Twitter. Let me call for that right now so that we can at least... Uh, 
show what they're saying in the face of all of this because a Twitter spokesperson uh, said that we permanently suspended uh, him for violating the Twitter rules on platform manipulation and spam as outlined in our policy on platform manipulation and spam. Your thoughts on the Twitter statement on the banning of you. You can't mislead others on Twitter, they say, by operating fake accounts, and you can't artificially amplify or disrupt conversations through the use of multiple accounts. So they're sticking with their multiple accounts well, my, that you were operating. My response is that Drew Griffin from CNN confronted uh, a private resident on her lawn, did not blur the number on the house, and Drew Griffin at CNN still remains on Twitter. And Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, you, you banned Project Veritas for confronting the Facebook vice president in the street. That's what reporters do. So it's a double standard that's in our defamation lawsuit. And you manufactured this reason, quote, operating fake accounts. There are people on Twitter who are impersonating me who still remain on Twitter under, under any standard, under, any, under your own standard. You, you have double standards. If there wasn't more double standards, you'd have no standards at all. And, and I will depose you under oath. I will get past this motion to dismiss in this libel lawsuit against you. And tomorrow I will sue CNN for defamation because of what Anna Cabrera said on the air about Project Veritas a month ago. CNN host saying that we spread disinformation. And we were banned for that. Not even Twitter alleges that I was banned or Project Veritas was banned for disinformation. So people every day in this country, people are defamed and lied about constantly. And they don't have the will the money, the resources to fight back. So Veritas is going to be the tip of that spear. And again, the New York Times lawsuit is a big deal because Facebook banned our voter fraud videos in Minneapolis because the New York Times said that I was deceptive and part of a disinformation campaign. Now, a justice, a judge in New York State said the New York Times was engaging in deception by reporting an opinion in a news article and the implications of this for tech since Facebook and Twitter partner with CNN and the New York Times, the implications are staggering. And it's very important that a lot of people start suing these people for libel. And uh, you'll see that uh, CNN lawsuit filed tomorrow. Well, you know, it's extraordinary because the Democrats set the narrative and then what has been the case is the media, the mainstream media anyway, picks up mantle and runs with it. We talked about this with Stephen Miller on this program last week. Uh, do you think that government is more powerful or big tech is more powerful? It feels like big tech has become more powerful and dominant than anyone expected when Section 230 was first put into the Telecom Act of 1996. Here's what Stephen Miller says should be done while the Republicans are still in the minority to be ready for when they take the majority he expects in 2022. Listen to Stephen Miller on Section 230. We need to modernize regulations to say that those social media entities are public utilities for general use and they cannot discriminate against Americans based on their religion, based on their political mm. views, based on what they believe. That is a fundamental reform that we should campaign on. And the moment we have the chance, pass it into law. Uh, James, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas really set the tone for big tech. He says it needs to be regulated like public utilities. You can't just exclude people from your services. You said you're suing CNN tomorrow? Yes, yes, I'm suing them for defamation. And, and Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, there's really no legal theory in the United States to hold or to sue Twitter because of that exemption. But Maria, this is a different issue. This is what Twitter and CNN said publicly about me. There are 
there are libel laws and they're, they're difficult to to win in a lawsuit. But going back to New York Times versus Sullivan, 1964, I have to prove actual malice because I'm a public figure that they knowingly lied about me. And I will meet that burden. I don't know what the solution is for 230 per se, but I think a lot of people need to unite here and understand just the, the fundamental principles here that I was I was quoting somebody and relaying what it was they told me. And I was banned for that. And Twitter manufactured a reason. So Section 230 mm. may have protected Twitter before. It will not protect them from me. You cannot have a reckless disregard for the truth and defame people. And the media gets away with it. And I would consider Twitter getting away with it in this case. I will sue them and we will win just like we've won every other lawsuit. And people need to stick together. We need to have distribution by proxy. You need to go on Telegram, follow me, download the clips, and put them into your Twitter. All right, James, we will be watching all of this. Thanks very much for uh, walking us through it this morning. We'll see you soon. James O'Keefe is the founder Thank of you. Project so, Veritas. Great interview, great interview. And I like the fact that, you know, he's just, he's just there stating the facts and what happened. Now, speaking of facts, there's a lot of facts that are flying around. And um, you guys know that um, uh, I have a, um, I don't always agree with all my friends, but um, just a couple hours ago on whatever Patrick posts, uh, someone shared it actually. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Someone's like on my wavelength. Um, I shared it to the tour. He says, chat, here's an article he wrote about Roger Stone. I'm going to read it out for those of you that are on the podcast and you guys can watch it. He's actually posted it on deep capture. He said, Roger Stone recently gave an interview. This is from 2020, by the way, where he discussed me. He says that he believes that in October of 2017, I engineered meeting him and grilling him about matters Russian. He's a 67 year old man being sent to prison. So one cannot blame him for putting some pieces together incorrectly as he has done. I will lay out the truth here. The bottom line of it is we all have experienced chains of events that seem too coincidental to be true, but are anyway, this is one of them. Though I try in general to keep my own politics out of deep capture, since they are uh, relevant to the following story, I will explain that, as Milton Friedman described himself, I am a small I libertarian and a small R Republican. This often leads me to brush up against libertarians who company, whose company I enjoy. In August to September of 2017, the Libertarian Party of Utah asked if they could hold an evening soiree in our then recently completed Peace Coliseum. I wanted to say yes, but consulted my colleagues asking them to agree that we're not going to open the doors to Democrats and Republicans. That is because, though I agree it would be wrong for a CEO of a public firm to extend such a courtesy to either of the major parties, I feel that when it comes to libertarians or greens or constitutional parties or other fringe party, well, it seems like to tip the balance and give uh, one of them the White House. So therefore, it's less objectionable. My colleagues assented, and so I gave permission to my fabulous assistant for many years, Kirsty, to inform the Libertarian Party of Utah they were free to use um, central nucleus of the building for their reception in October. Around about the same time, Netflix or iTunes started recommending to me the then recently released documentary, Get Me Roger Stone. 
I had heard the name for years before as some kind of high-level Republican fixer and knew that in the Trump campaign, he and Steve Mannon had emerged as the guys who pulled off the victory. I didn't watch the movie when it was recommended, but I made a mental note of it, should I someday, uh, that I should someday. About a week before the Libertarian Party Kirsty came to me and said, have you heard of a documentary, Get Me Roger Stone? You should watch it. That is who's coming to speak at the Libertarian Party event coming up next week, and he wants to take you to dinner afterwards. Now, if this sounds strange, please understand that from time to time, such things happen to me. DNC Chair, Chairman Howard Dean once came through Utah and sent a message asking if I would meet him and ride in a car for him for 30 minutes as he was driven someplace just so we could get to know each other. Another year, Utah Democratic Party leader Dominic Dunn showed up for lunch asking if I would run for Congress as a Democrat. Various Republican candidates and poobahs coming through Utah have shown up on my doorstep for similar reasons. Someone close to Bernie Sanders has repeatedly told me that if he won, he was considering me to serve as his SEC chairman. So an invitation such as Christie was conveying is not such a strange thing to me. In any case, I told Kirsty to let Roger Stone's people know that I would keep my evening free and I watched the documentary Get Me Roger Stone that night in preparation. A week later, the Libertarian Party had a reception in our headquarters. Roger Stone showed up and spoke. Afterwards, he and I went out for a long dinner. Here's my best recollection of dinner in three parts. We spent some time getting to know each other. I told him I've heard of him years earlier, seen the documentary about him, etc. And I congratulated him on his upset victory in the election a year previously. He knew that I had not voted for candidate Trump, but for Gary Johnson, the libertarian. He brought up what was on his mind and the reason he asked to take me out to dinner. He wanted me to run for office. I don't want to go into what he proposed and how he suggested it might come up come about, but I heard him out. I told him I need to run for I need to run for office like I need a hole in my head. He asked me to say no outright, but to think about it and I would promise and I promised him I would. We spoke of the Russia matters that were gaining steam. My frame of mind was, as I explained in my three essays on Maria Butina since July 2015. You know, you guys know the whole story, right? So then he says, so that was the frame of mind. Um, what did I say of it? Nothing. Nada. I told Roger Stone precisely nothing of any of the above about Maria, my involvement, etc. When he brought up the Russian matters that uh, that were then starting to turn white hot, given that I really had been trying to keep my head down as ignorant of it as possible from the press, I could not resist asking Roger, what the hell is this about again? Again, I knew I shouldn't be talking about it with anyone, but I also knew that something, that I knew something, but couldn't figure out what it was that I knew. So I welcomed Roger opening up and telling me what he knew. He said it was a crock of shit. I knew vaguely of the whole WikiLeaks angle and his purported role, and he got adamant. The feds after me are saying that the truth is X, but it's really Y. That's all I remember. So why did I go through this? So a lot of people have um, misremembering issues or they state things that benefit them for the time, but not make statements as they are. Um, uh, I want you guys to understand that most of these people that run for office, and hence why I, I thought it was important to read this, uh, they go for people that have a lot of money and um, have a lot of clout 
and I want to run them for office. One, because they're money pits, right? And they can make a shit ton of money for it by running their campaign. And two, because then they can control them. And that's the problem. If you noticed, a lot of people that run, run because, you know, someone's backing them or they have deep pockets themselves. And that has been a problem again and again and again in our nation. That we always have these power-hungry people that are looking to take hold of other people and keep them on a leash. And the richer they are, the better the target, the more money they make. And so I wanted to share that because it's really important for people to see how things are always misstated. Truth is truth. You can't mess with the truth. The truth isn't something that you can just kind of, you know, there's no versions of truth. It is or it's not. That's the way it is. There is no in-between. Now, there's in-betweens where we don't want to talk about the truth or acknowledge the truth, but the truth is truth. Kind of like gas leaks. True. Drones in America, not true. Things like that. It's, it's pure rubbish. And so this Monday has started pretty rubbish. There's a lot going back and forth. We want Black Panthers. You can't eat meat, but yes, you can. We just need to taper it. Um, we have no idea what's going on. It feels like nobody has any news to give anyone except for pandering and telling you how the, the climate is just going to get destructed. And then they, you, you're going to die. You have to do something. Sounds like this fund from North Dakota. Do you guys know they have something called a legacy fund? So they keep supposedly throwing a lot of North Dakota money in there to be used at some point. They haven't used it for over 50 years. At some point, they're going to use it. Hmm. So tomorrow we're going to get into some of them using money for things that they shouldn't be using. And it's quite interesting. Pyramids. Wow. Missiles. Wow. Shit ton of cash. Wow. So today it's all about virtue signaling. Like it's such a lame day that it's all bickering. Who's cool. Who's not who you should, you know, believe whispers to things and gets spirits stepping in. Oh my gosh. It's so ridiculous. I mean, what do I say? What, I mean, what do I say? Like today I wanted to talk about, you know, pyramids and some stuff, you know, that is important for us. And instead we're talking about reactive media, rubbish, catty bullshit Rather than give us the news, there is so much going on around the world in Germany, in France, in Spain, in Greece, in Africa. Oh, my gosh. The atrocious acts of crimes against humanity. I can't even repeat it because it would totally screw up my whole week. This is Holy Week. I should not be cussing either. God forgive me. So it's Holy Monday um, for me today. Um that, that's quite interesting. Tomorrow, I may have to do a an evening show. Uh, I won't know until uh, this evening. So I'll probably tell you guys on stereo and put it out on Telegram. Uh, so tonight, stereo with Gavin Wentz. We're going to talk about UFO engines, the physics behind it. So it's going to be super fun. Uh, just two nerds talking. So... Um, for those of you celebrating Easter, have a great Holy Week. Um, I'm really excited because I'm going to have my daughter and her um, 
uh, fiance come down and they're going to bring my puppy. So he's not a puppy. He's like 10, but he's my baby. He's my cuddle. My, the best dog ever. He's like a great Pyrenees and he's so like me. Um, uh, I, I just want to tell you, whatever you hear in the news, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. Almost everything that's being reported right now is just rubbish and recycling and everyone's dying to report something when there's so much and you're thinking, well, why can't you find something? Why aren't you putting out reports? I mean, we saw Kansas got uh, called us spammers, spammers, going on a public site, explaining to the city council that they suck and that they're putting a laboratory that can cause harm to not just their local community, but to all of us. They can cause instant famine within the United States in a heartbeat. And so the Mercury decides to, one, spell my name wrong, two, point out that I'm a Trump supporter. Like, well, who cares? Um, you have to be a certain political stripe in order to care about famine and disease. The whole reason they created Plum Island to investigate animal diseases was to keep them secluded from animals. But yet, for some reason, putting it in the middle of our food is safe because it's safe. Tell that to Wuhan. Tell it to all these other labs that have had shit escape. That's not how it works. You take measures, precautionary measures, like don't put it in the middle of your food supply. It's like saying, I'm going to put my toilet seat in the middle of my kitchen. Why would you shit where you eat? You would not. So basically, they're telling us, rather than us take it to Epstein Island or Diego Garcia or just leave it on damn Plum Island, but they can't because they're examining human diseases and New York didn't want that. So they're like, no, we don't need zoonotic transferable diseases being experimented as long as you're just doing animals. But since you're doing humans and animals, you got to go. So what, what a great idea to stick it in the middle of our food supply. The money that they've gotten is insane. We need to make sure that this can open, period. This will be how they take it home. And you know what, surprisingly? If there is a 51st state, I guess the federal government will be moving to North Dakota. Why? Money. You'll see. So let's let's keep praying and uh, shift the times uh, that they wish to um, purport. Is that the right word? They want to purport their times. Yes, they do. They want to purport their times. Um, so on that note, guys, I'm going to bid you a great evening, and I will see you tonight on um, Stereo with um, Gavin Wentz. It'll be super fun. On that note, God bless everyone. Stay safe, stay diligent, and pray. God bless. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. And I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. Oh, Lord. Can you feel it coming in the air tonight? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Well, if you told me you were drowning, I would lend a hand. 
seen your face before, my friend. But I don't know if you know who I am. But I was there.